It's really lovely to see you all, to be back after a week off. Yes, Ashburnham was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. And if you've never been, then um, you can't go now. Um, no, not at all, not at all. Um, we're moving venues. We're not at Ashburnham in two years' time. We are going to the Norfolk Showground. Very good. How are you? In good form this morning. Yes. You know, I went to Ashburnham this year, really not um, thinking too much about it. There was a lot going on. And I realised when I got there, actually how dry I had been. You know, I'd actually been, uh, you know, you get on with life. We all go about our lives. But I got to Ashburnham and thought, the worship is amazing. This is just so amazing. Just being in the presence of God, worshipping um, good couple of times a day it's good for the soul but I realized how dry I was and I got refreshed and I got I felt God really met with me and so can I encourage you to put that second bank holiday that may bank in two years time in your diary because I'd love to see as many people in this church there as I can because it's just a great time of fellowship we we had a great time together as a church family and uh, would love to see you there anyway that's enough plug for uh can't say Ashburnham anymore it's called festival now so there we are. So um, Festival 2021. Let's pray. Yeah, Father God, we thank you that you are alive and that you are here. Father, I just pray that you would speak through me, Lord, as we share, as, we, as I share your word, Lord, with everyone here today. Just pray, God, that you will minister to our hearts and our minds that we would be impacted afresh with who you are, what you've done for us, and what you want to do through us. Jesus, we love you. Minister to us now by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So today we are concluding our series on dynamic discipleship. I hope it's something that you've really uh, been encouraged by, you've been equipped as a disciple. Um, and we've been looking through discipleship in the context of Luke's gospel. We looked at the perspective of who Jesus is and how Jesus equipped and taught the first followers, these early disciples. And then we drew out some kind of principles to apply to our own lives as disciples of Christ. And this final session, we're looking at the empowered Disciples, very timely, having just heard lots of people speak about it, Ashburnham. And what we're going to do this morning is we're actually moving on from the book of Luke and going into Luke's second book, which you might or might not know, is the book of Acts. So what we're going to do, first of all, is going to read um, a bit from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. So let's read this together. Now, I had prepared to read from the NIV, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. So on the screen, you'll get the uh, NIV, but I felt this morning as I was preparing that I wanted to read from the New Living. So, so chapter 1, verse 1, this is what Luke says. In my first book, I told you... Th- <laughs> Do you know, I knew I was going to struggle with this name. Theophilus, there we go. Thanks, John. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, 
about everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. As a form of introduction here, Luke reminds us that he's already told us about what Jesus did. The gospel is an account of what Jesus did while he walked on the earth, what he taught. It also says here that Jesus gave instruction through the Holy Spirit. And one of the instructions that we find in the gospel is actually in Matthew 28, where Jesus explicitly calls his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus had told them. You know, making disciples, being a disciple, is key to a transformed community. You know, I think hearing David's testimony this morning, telling us a lot about what he heard over the weekend, you know, and how he feels challenged to be a disciple in the community and the workplace in which he lives, is challenging. It's wonderful to hear his challenge. And, and one of the things he said, and I almost want to refute what he said about, actually, I don't feel I encountered the Holy Spirit at the weekend. Because actually, I think David's encountered the Holy Spirit at the weekend. And I think that actually, I think we encounter the Holy Spirit more than we realize. As he leads us, as he teaches us. And the fact that David's been challenged about those things is the Holy Spirit challenging us and convicting us. You can do it. You can go and tell people about me, about Jesus. Because we can. We've been given the authority to be witnesses. In fact, Jesus says, go in Matthew 28 and make disciples of all nations. Tell people about me. It's the wonderful gift of life. I have come to give life. Let people know about me. Okay, let's read on. In verses, uh, verse 3, I think that's what I got up to, right. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So in this little section, Luke reminds us again of how Jesus showed himself to the apostles after he rose from the dead. And he did this over a period of 40 days. He spoke again and again about the kingdom of God. And in one such occasion, Luke recalls a command that the disciples were not to leave Jerusalem. He commanded them to wait in Jerusalem. And why did they need to wait in Jerusalem? And they needed to wait because at the right time that God had chosen, the gift of the Holy Spirit would be poured out on them. You know, this gift that Luke explicitly tells us is being baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, and the, the thing is, the disciples had to wait for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait anymore. So here we have Luke setting the scene for something quite incredible, something quite extraordinary. And the disciples were to stay in Jerusalem. 
God was going to give them this gift. God was going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. And the disciples, they'd have known about John's baptism. They would have seen John baptizing in the, in the River Jordan. They'd have seen uh, Jesus himself baptized by John. This full immersion in water, a baptism of repentance. But this baptism that Jesus is talking about here is a baptism with the Holy Spirit. It would have been completely different. The disciples, if you like, had no idea what it meant. No idea when he said, you'll be baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit. If, you know, they'd have been inquisitive, they'd have been unsure. And in fact, as we read on um, in verse uh, 6, it says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? The fact that they've asked this question shows a, a, a not a real understanding of what Jesus means when he talks about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. But then he goes and replies this. He says, The Father alone has the authority to set the dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit brings power. And what is this power? What does this power look like? How does it work? You know, in fact, you know, before that um, Jesus had a chance to even answer any of these questions, that the, the, you know, they ask one question, but they don't really get a chance to ask any more questions because we read in verse 9 that after saying this, he was taken up to the, into heaven and they stand around looking and waiting and wondering what's going to happen next. You know, Jesus tells us exactly what we need to know for exactly the right time. And there's an element of faith and trusting in that, that, that Jesus is a man of his word. And he's told them to wait. Wait in Jerusalem until my Holy Spirit comes. Jesus promises that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. Verse 8. The glasses. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This was the promise of Jesus to these disciples. You will receive power. That's truth when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power to do what? Power to be witnesses. Power to be witnesses. Power to tell people of the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ. Power to overcome. Power to display God's glory. Power in the Holy Spirit. Now we know the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And I just want to read a bit from Acts 2. But the Holy Spirit comes on us to empower us. You know, the same power that rose Jesus from death to life lives in each one of us. So let's look at Acts 2 together um, briefly. So Acts 2 starts with, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled 
with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, the first point to notice in this particular passage is it was all of them, all of the people in that place were filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, everyone present, it says in this translation, was filled with the Holy Spirit. No one was left out. The Holy Spirit was and is for every believer. It's for every believer, every follower, every disciple of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was definitely in this place on this day. Now, the first encounter with the Holy Spirit coming to dwell in these first believers. You know, there is no denying the power of God in this place. We read of this roaring wind. It must have been quite a, an, you know, a sight. Tongues of fire resting on each person in that place. You know, everyone speaking in different languages. I mean, the, the incredible nature of this encounter with the living God must have been phenomenal. The day the Holy Spirit dwelt within these people. Just imagine it, the day of Pentecost. You know, the amount of just experiencing God, just the wonder of God at that moment. You know, God is no longer in a temple. He dwells in each one of us. God, the creator God, the mighty God, dwells in you by his Holy Spirit. You know, I was... um, Brought from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. In 1984. And um, a long time ago now. That was the time, the day I received Jesus into my life. It was a very clear declaration of faith and receiving of Christ into my life. The day I chose to follow him, I will never forget it. However, it wasn't, I would say, until 1994, 10 years later, when I was actually filled with the Holy Spirit, when I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And for me, it was very significant. It was very powerful. I'd been attending a foundation course at the time at King's Church in Hastings, and we just had a teaching session on the Holy Spirit. Afterwards, there was a time of ministry, and my, my life group leader, my house group leader at the time, asked me if I would like to speak in tongues. <laughs> I wanted more of God, so I thought, yeah, why not? I'll go for that. And, um, and he started praying for me, and as he started praying for me, um, I had this tingling sensation, if you like, that was um, in my feet. I felt it was in my feet. And then it started moving up my legs. And the next thing I knew, I was on the floor. And it, it was, there was something very spiritual and significant happening to me. The moment I was prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the ability to speak in tongues. And it felt good. It felt good. It felt okay. It felt like God was in control. And as I was lying on the floor, this tingling sensation went all the way through my body, into my arms and my head. 
and I just felt totally in God's presence. And I knew God was in it. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The disciples would have known John's baptism. They would, but they didn't know the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost. Now, everyone's experience of the Holy Spirit is very different. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit is for everyone, for every believer in Jesus. His interaction with you would be very different and very specific. You know, not everyone on the day of Pentecost spoke the same tongue. They spoke in different languages as the Holy Spirit enabled you know, we read later in the book of Acts the different languages that were spoken on that day. The gift of tongues is a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful gift. And, um, you know, on that day that I was baptized in the Spirit, I never spoke in tongues. It wasn't God's timing for me. It wasn't actually until 1998, four years later, where I was with a friend of mine. Um, it was my best man, and he and I had been praying one evening. I was studying at Birmingham University. We got together and we prayed together. And there was one evening when he left. And I was like, Lord, you know, my friend Sam, he was praying in tongues quite happily. And I was like, oh, you know, I really would love to pray in tongues. And I can remember just like, Lord, I really would love to pray and speak in tongues. And, you know, and I just felt the Lord prompt me just to have a go. Just there I was on my own in my bedroom. And actually it started with just a little sort of phrase, if you like. It wasn't very much, it was just a little phrase. And I just felt the, just to say that over and over again. And I did. And I did. And as I did... It's very difficult to explain, but you just felt this unlocking of a door within. And it then these words just started flowing out of my mouth. I had no idea what they meant, but it just felt like I'd connected in a, a wonderful way with heaven. The gift of tongues is a wonderful gift. It's a language, a spiritual language that enables us to encounter God, to connect with him. And, you know, over the weekend, I think two of the main speakers really encouraged people to really eagerly desire to speak in tongues, to do it more often in the day as a part of our daily life, that it builds us up, it encourages us, it gives us strength, it gives us that inner sense that God is with us and he's leading us and he's empowering us as Christians. So if you have the gift of tongues, then speak it more as you go about your day in the car, on the bus. Maybe not so loud on the bus. I don't know. Maybe people might ask you what you're doing. Maybe people might understand the language you're speaking. But speak in tongues more regularly. Encourage you. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you and to build you up and encourage you as you speak in tongues. Where am I? The Holy Spirit power is available to every believer. 
every believer, to be dynamic disciples. We can allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and encourage us and strengthen us. Okay. So first point, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Second, it was a matter of literally receiving. Receiving. Not doing, receiving. There was no doing on behalf of the believer on this day of Pentecost. They were just there. They were waiting. Actually, they might even have been just chatting. It doesn't say. And then the Holy Spirit came. It was God's initiative. It was God's initiative that we should have this gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, and God is delighted to give it to us. You know, God is in the business of giving good gifts. You know, I can almost imagine God in heaven, you know, almost thinking, right, we're going to have some fun now because this is the moment in history where I'm going to pour out my spirit in every believer. I mean, the Old Testament is full of encounters with the Holy Spirit, but the day of Pentecost is something so different because he's pouring out on every believer. Wow! Let's have some fun. I mean, you can imagine God and the whole of heaven as the day of Pentecost happens. You know, I've got these believers now. They've trusted in my son, Jesus. They believe him and his sacrifice on the cross that actually all their sins have been washed away. You know, they are mine. They're my children. So he sends his Holy Spirit. I'm going to now dwell in them. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, God so wants to bless you with the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes I think one of the hardest things um, about the Holy Spirit is not actually receiving it, but believing that you've received it. That believing that you've received it. You know, it's for every believer. If you ask, God wants to give it. You know, Galatians 3.14 says, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. That's us. With the same blessing he promised Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. We've received it through faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit. You know, um, when we ask, we receive. On holiday, um, uh, we started our holiday. I've told a couple of stories about our holiday. But it was, there were lots of challenges on holiday. One challenge we had was before the holiday, we didn't actually have a car to go on holiday in. And our holiday was based on literally driving everywhere. I mean, it was stopping here, stopping there, and we didn't have a car. In fact, the week, was it the week before we left? We still didn't have a car. And, you know, and we prayed, and um, in the end we thought, well, maybe we just hire one. But God, in his faithfulness, provided, and we... Um, actually went to my father-in-law um, in the end and said and asked him, um, can we borrow your car? <laughs> um, uh, which is another story related to that as well. But, um, <laughs> but he lent us his car. I mean, they were away at the time and it was a real blessing. And, um, and, but the thing that impressed me the most about my father-in-law is he... Literally, within an hour of asking him, he came straight back and said, yes, of course, of course we'll lend you our car. And I just think, sometimes we don't ask our Heavenly Father. 
You know, we don't ask him. He wants to give us good things. He wants us to have the Holy Spirit. He wants to empower you as a believer in Christ. He wants to empower you to be a witness, to go about, to overcome, to be victorious in your lives. Sometimes we can just forget to ask. And my father-in-law just straight away said, yes, of course. You know, the other thing to say about this um, matter of receiving is that the devil doesn't want you to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, the devil knows the difference the Holy Spirit makes in your life. He does. And he wants to stop you. And he will go about any way to stop you receiving the Holy Spirit, to stop you living in the Holy Spirit. And just to say two things that I think that, you know, that God wants to highlight today is the first thing is the devil wants you to think that you can do everything in your own strength, that you can do it on your own, that you don't need the Holy Spirit. He tells you lies. The devil tells you lies. Actually, you don't need that. But we do. We do. As Christians, we need the Holy Spirit. And the second thing the devil wants to do, he wants to put distractions in your life so that you are too busy to listen to the Holy Spirit. So you're too busy to hear and act on the Holy Spirit. And the other thing, I think there's a third thing, he wants you to think that you're not good enough, that actually you aren't worthy enough to have the Holy Spirit. Well, you are. You are. Jesus died on the cross. He's made you worthy to receive the Holy Spirit. So don't listen to the lies anymore. Receive the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and know the Holy Spirit every day as you walk with him. So I just want to take a moment now. Um, So if you could just close your eyes for me. Okay, Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to uh, speak to us. Now, if you're here today and you are feeling dry, or you're feeling like I've, I've, not, I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can be filled today. You can be filled right now with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't need to be some big a powerful, mighty thing. It can be a simple prayer of faith to receive the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you, if you want the Holy Spirit, maybe the first time, if you want a refreshing or more of the Holy Spirit, if you're thirsty this morning, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit right now, then I would encourage you quietly, under your breath, to ask Holy Spirit, come and fill me now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that, you know, I just see a picture of tanks being filled up just as, just as we had that moment of quiet. You know, the tanks that were half empty, being filled, just, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for filling us afresh. Thank you for your wonderful baptism in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Do, do take moments in your day, in your week, just to ask, Jesus, come, refill me, refresh me. Because it's tough. The, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress going on with Brexit, with what's going on with government, with what's going on in Hong Kong. I mean, it's just the world just to be full of... We need the Holy Spirit to equip us, refresh us, to give us that hope that we can share with our neighbours and help them see there is hope in Jesus Christ. Let's get refreshed. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit. Go on being filled. You know, if you're really just enjoying God, go on enjoying God and, uh, and look to him. Okay, now, I want to try something else, <laughs> slightly different. Um, this time, if you've still got your eyes closed, or you can still keep your eyes closed, but if you open your eyes for a moment, and I just want you to look around you for a moment. Just look at people, not just the building. Look at people. Have a look at the people around you. you know, maybe wave at a friend that you've not seen all holiday, because I know quite a few of us have been on holiday and around and out and... It's good to see people, isn't it? It's good to see the family of God. It's good to see each other. It's really good. Now, what I want us to do now, and um, you can do this um, with your eyes. It might be easier with your eyes closed. You don't have to close your eyes. But I'm going to ask two things. And, you know, if you've just been filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, then this is how you can know that the Holy Spirit can empower us is firstly, what I want you to do is I want you to um, just think about one person in this room that's not yourself, okay? Think of one person in this room that's um, here with us this morning, okay? Now, that one person might be the person that the Holy Spirit has put on your heart. And what we're going to do now is we're just going to pray. And what I want you to do is just pray a simple prayer of blessing for that person, so really, it's just five words, nothing more. Just, Lord Jesus, would you bless their name in Jesus' name? Amen. Okay, fantastic. Now, what we're going to do now is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit a question. And we know and believe that the Holy Spirit is with us, guides us, teaches us, and leads us. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit for a word or maybe an encouragement, or a picture, or a prophetic word for that person that you've just prayed blessing for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're here, speaking through us. Just give you a moment. If you wanted to write anything on your phone, or write something down, then, then do that. And so that I could encourage you then that maybe even at the end of the meeting today that you might go up to that person and encourage them with the word that you feel God's given. You, know, you might want to email it or even write a letter. But it's a way of building up the church. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our, he's, he's our advocate. He's the wants us to know what it is to be in the family of God, to encourage each other, to build each other up. The Holy Spirit is the source of our power 
as Christians. God is good. I just feel God is still speaking to and through people. I don't want to rush on. You know, we have authority. Holy Spirit gives us authority. He does. We have authority in the spiritual realm, every single believer. You know, when we pray, the demons flee. They do. Jesus is so good. Jesus. You know, yesterday, um, Abby and I watched a bit of the old Lord of the Rings. It seems a bit dated now, but it's um, a wonderful trilogy of um, just this battle, if you like, between good and evil. And there was a bit in the film yesterday where Gandalf the Grey appears as the new Gandalf the White. Come on, bring it on. And um, he appears to Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. And the way he gets to be Gandalf the White is he defeats a Balrog. And if you don't know the Lord of the Rings story, there's a few... Yes, a Balrog is basically a very bad, demonic, fiery, fire-breathing, horned, ugly-looking animal that, you know, is terrifying, really, to be honest. And uh, Gandalf fought this thing at the depths of the earth, on mountains and in lakes and whatever, and he defeated it after lots of battles. And he becomes Gandalf the White. Where am I going with this, you ask? Well... Christ gives us authority to beat the demonic forces, the devil's schemes and his works, just like Gandalf. I feel like I'm making more of this than I should. But, but we have authority. And we become, you know, all that we can be as we stand in that authority, as we walk in that authority and the spiritual authority that God gives us. Maybe I should move on now. Authority to say no to the devil and his schemes, that he wants to wreck our lives and those that we know. Authority to speak truth and love and kingdom values to all those we know and meet. You know, the disciples um, were empowered from the day of Pentecost. They're empowered through faith to see salvation and And what am I going to do? Yes. So I've got three more points, and I might do these two together. Three and four, if you could bring them up, Pete. Thirdly, they began to walk in the Spirit, and they allowed the Holy Spirit to lead them to unexpected places. They began to walk in the Holy Spirit. And, you know, from Ashburnham, I have been challenged, a bit like David, where I so want to be different with my faith in the world in which I live. I do. I really want to be different, but something stops me. Something stops me. Whether it might be fear, whether it might be insecurity, whether it's a sense of, you know, just lack of faith. And I think, and I'm challenged to be more than what I am because of what I've just been talking about. Because I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the truth. 
And I can live in that every day. And so this last week, there have been a couple of opportunities where I've done things differently because of this sense of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. I've prayed with a neighbor who I, don't, I didn't even know, but he said, actually, I am a Christian. And actually, I really appreciate your prayer. You know, we can be salt and light in our communities. You know, I'd love to hear more testimonies of people stepping out in faith and seeing God meet them when that situation where we see people healed, where we see people restored, where we see people saying, you know, actually, what you seem to have something I don't have, and I want it. And that's our hope in Jesus Christ, his resurrection power, his Holy Spirit dwelling in each one of us. You know, as we continue in the book of Acts, we see that actually the gospel doesn't just stay in Jerusalem. The gospel goes out to uh, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In Acts 8, the disciples were scattered. And the Holy Spirit empowered them to take the gospel everywhere they went, to tell the good news of Jesus Christ everywhere they went. You know, Roman cities that had no understanding of Jesus Christ when the Apostle Paul went to them, saw his communities established. You know, very dark places, very pagan, very full of Roman gods. The gospel shone brightly in those places because of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't easy for them. We read of how Paul experienced lots of um, beatings and shipwrecks and all sorts of things. It wasn't easy, but he had peace. He had a confidence. He had a strength that was rooted and established in Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He outworked God's call on his life. And just to sort of finish, my encouragement to each one of us is to ask ourselves this question. Where might God be leading you? You know, we have a secure home. And for me, it's not 72 the green way. It's a spiritual home. It's an inheritance that we have in heaven. We have a secure identity in Christ. Our faith in Christ secures our identity, that we are Christ, that we are children of God. We are adopted into his family, and no one can take that away. We have eternity with him. We can be secure in the robustness of the cross. Pete Anderson said that the weekend. I thought, what a great phrase. The robustness of the cross. It's robust, the cross. Because it's secure. It's once for all time, for all people. The cross is our declaration that Jesus has made us alive in him. Hallelujah. When you go about your week, your month, your, or even your year, my encouragement to ask the Lord where and what can you do to let people know about Jesus? How can we be more witnesses for him? And then my encouragement is to go. Encourage us to go. Be yourself. Be yourself. Very important. Don't be someone you're not. And trust in the Holy Spirit's leading. Allow yourself to be drawn to unexpected places by the Holy Spirit.
You know, and that could be anything. It might be an upset colleague at work. It might be an unsettled neighbour who has a, an issue that's actually being a listening ear and offering to pray. You know, we would be amazed at how God leads us to different places. Be amazed at how his love penetrates people's hearts and minds. Where is the Holy Spirit empowering you for today? Where is the Holy Spirit at work that you can come alongside him? Let's be a, a people who go and make disciples, and are dynamic disciples, empowered by the Holy Spirit, yes? I mean, empowered to take the good news to those around us. Let's be conduits for the Holy Spirit. I like that word too, conduit. Let's be conduits for the Holy Spirit. Let's be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again. Lovely. Thank you.